Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hello, and welcome to Podcast Friday. Margo's here with me today, and we're starting, or at least we think we're starting, a new series about apprenticeship. So here we are. Here we are. Oh, well, where to start? This is one of the most popular topics and we can't tackle everything. So what's on the agenda for today? What do we want to do? Well, maybe we should start with the card you pulled. I feel like that was a cool, a cool way to wade into this topic that, like you said, is just kind of huge. Um, And I guess we could preface it by saying, like you said, this is a topic we get asked about a lot, and it's one that we think is really kind of important right now in midwifery. And as midwifery educators, we're seeing it come up a lot. And, you know, there's kind of like the mainstream approach to this topic, like you just do the PEP process and you take the test and then you're a midwife. Um, And then there's this like less charted territory But a lot of people have kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, we wrote together um, a blog post, I guess, for lack of a better term, about this process of claiming the title midwife and what that might look like. So I think we were going to just expand on that. Sure. And I'll include the link to the blog post with the podcast so you all can check it out and just get a little background about where we're coming from with this today and that it's something we're talking more now with our students, our Indie Birth Midwifery School students about, uh, because hopefully they will surely go on the apprenticeship route. So I did want to share the card I pulled just 10 minutes before we knew we were going to do this together. And of course, I wish I could show it, but it's uh, from a tarot deck and people have asked me you know, what's the name of the deck again? Because I had a card last week. Um, it's called The Light Seer's Tarot by Chris Ann. So uh, the card pulled is the Page of Swords. And swords are representative of air, communication, thinking. And it actually says right here in this book that the meaning of this card Um, is largely about an apprentice or student, no joke. So I was going to kind of summarize some other points the book made just because I think this card was totally pulled for the students listening, and I'm sure for us too. Mm -hmm. Curious and intelligent, this page has a thirst for knowledge that seems unquenchable. She's an incredibly quick-witted communicator, and she's often compelled to share her many ideas or messages with others. At times, she's so talkative that it becomes too much for others to process, and her intense energy can come across as unsettled or nervous. She suggests using an air of inventiveness in your current pursuit. 
Your goals will be met by walking a path of honest discovery, especially where others are concerned. Keep the light bulbs of curiosity turned on and cultivate a beginner's mindset as you strive to learn new things. Avoid falling into gossip or even arrogance with your communication. In shadow, this page can be all talk and no action. Remember that everyone who crosses your path has something specific to teach you and that mirrors are all around. Remain open to unexpected lessons, share truthfully and delight in every interaction. So really beautiful card. So weirdly perfect, of course. So weirdly perfect. Yeah. I really like that like visual of the path and like maintaining curiosity while walking it. And I think that that's one of like the hardest parts as an apprentice, because, you know, it is a years long process, like multiple years long. And I feel like it can be hard to like maintain and sustain that curiosity and like, I don't know, just because birth work is challenging and like sometimes you want to get to the end faster and yeah, that honest, that honest uh, walk is like very encompassing. I think of what we're trying to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. And also I felt like the, the opening of new opportunities is a theme with that card and also apprenticeship just when we're feeling all those feelings and sometimes it's more like frustrated or even how do I get an apprenticeship? Um, Like what is the path that it's really amazing to just feel open to like the ways that it can go and opportunities coming in, even when you don't expect them. Yeah. That creativity piece. Right. So I think our goal today, at least for this first episode, is to talk hopefully simply, but more clearly about the path and how that looks for most people. Um, We've discovered, and this is amazing, right? Like we're discovering new things. Like we've had any birth midwifery school for several years now, but we're discovering just where we've not been as clear or maybe as helpful with our own students outlining this path. Like, what does it actually look like? What are the steps? And occasionally someone falls outside of that path. Of course, we're all different, but for the most part, right. We'd agree that like, there are some stepping stones. Totally. Totally. And like I kind of alluded to like this swing, the other direction. And I feel like this is something I saw even when I was a student, you know, there were other students who were in similar, like, you know, student midwife circles online and just people being like, I can't find an apprenticeship. And so I'm just going to like apprentice with the women and like, yes. And most people should be able to find an apprenticeship, you know, like, like you're saying, there are rare outliers and circumstances where that's not the case, but most of us uh, that we're, we're addressing here today, like, with some elbow grease slash divine timing, <laughs> like it, it should be possible. So if, yeah. So how, so what does it look like? Yes. Where does one start as an apprentice? Paint us a picture, Marin. At the <laughs> beginning. First, I had this idea of just maybe saying what's obvious to some people, but I know it's not obvious to everybody, which is like the alternate picture that I think we're trying to 
sort of correct that interpretation with this podcast. And that picture is like what you described, um, which is, well, it's a little different than what you described, but it's like, oh, I'll go to some births with a midwife. And then that's an apprenticeship. Like somehow that be that has become the definition in some circles or places that like, that's all it is. You just go to some births with someone and then suddenly you're on your own. So that's yeah, like the, not what we're talking about. Yeah, the nuance has been lost. It's like, yeah, you go to birth, you see some birth, and then you're done. There's like not a lot of discussion about the subtleties of what happens or should happen and unfold over the process of being an apprentice. It's not, yeah, there's not just one layer of apprenticeship. Like, right. It starts one place and it ends another place. It's a, it's a growth. Like I was thinking about like the flowers in our garden and just like they're growing every day and, you know, it will, they will look different at the end of the process than when they started. It's like not rushing it. Sure. Yeah. It's not unlike pregnancy and birth itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if that's become the way people think also because one route uh, is, you know, maybe going to like a really high volume birth center. Some people do that, right, mm-hmm. for like a couple months or a year. So in that case, it's like, yeah, they're getting it sort of all done at once. And that's not the model we're talking about either. But then it's like something has been lost in translation, perhaps. Yes. And I think there's a distaste in our world for, you know, like the NARM process, like the PEP process and we could talk more about it. We've talked about it other places. And so it's hard sometimes to see like the parts of it that do make sense. And, you know, as someone who decided not to become a CPM, like I still like really do think that that was valuable to think of my apprenticeship in those terms, which I think we're going to kind of lay out here, maybe in our own way with our own flavor. But um, yeah, like, like there's a purpose that I, I can see a purposefulness in, in the way that they laid out the pet process um, that I actually think makes mostly sense. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater was an excellent way to put it. And, you know, isn't that birth in a nutshell too? just even the information that we learn as midwives, you know, a lot of it is, is from the medical model, Um, So we don't throw it out. We just have to like reinterpret it. It's pretty much the same kind of idea. Reintegrate. Yeah. Reintegrate. So, okay. Well, that's a great place to start. And I'm sure most people listening are familiar with, well, at least minimally the pet process and NARM and that there is a lot of paperwork. There is a thing you do. There are steps you take and it takes most people couple of years really to go through that. So we are offering our version and people can see what they think. And we'll talk about the value of the steps along the way. So first, I suppose, is finding this apprenticeship, this way to learn hands-on. And, you know, here's where paths can differ already. But I would say, and I, I think you'll agree that apprenticing with a home birth midwife, uh, you know, that's a a community midwife, where you as the apprentice get exposed to 
woman-led care and getting to know a family um, as opposed to, you know, popping in at a clinic or just like attending a birth. So you're learning how to be with women and families kind of all the way around and you're learning the lifestyle of being on call and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So like as a baby apprentice, I feel like those first dozen or so births really are that like they're gaining that macro view of like what the F is even going on here. Um, you know, the prenatal care, the birth, the postpartum and what it looks like to also be juggling multiple families at the same time. And the schedule, like you said, the lifestyle, and then at the birth, you know, the, I think that observation is a good word. And again, that's one that uh, the pet process does use, like observed birth. They want you to do 10. And I think that that really is the role, um, if you can call it that, of the very brand new green baby apprentice at those births is really like you're not really doing a whole lot aside from just witnessing and trying to place yourself in this like dance that you're watching. That is so true. And that made me remember being that midwife, that new student midwife. I was so nervous about being an apprentice because (laughs) I had never done anything like this. And at the time I, you know, in my brain, it was like more on the medical side in a sense. So I was nervous. I was like, I've never even taken a blood pressure So I remember getting ready to go to births and I wasn't allowed to go to births for many months into the apprenticeship. That was kind of the way that she worked it. It's another kind of way of screening people. I think, you know, like you don't just get to go to the births. That's the cherry on top. You have to put in the work of coming to prenatals and proving yourself responsible. So by the time I got approved to go to birth, I was still nervous. And I remember my mother midwife saying, for the first 10 births, just cry if you have to just like you're there to witness kind of like a family member, like I don't expect anything of you. Um, I don't really need you, you know, I don't need you for anything. So just be in it and feel what this is. And then we'll proceed. So I thought that was really good advice, you know, 10 births to just be like you said. Do you have any like memories that stick out from those first handful of births? Hmm. I do actually. The very first birth I went to was with my mother midwife and another midwife and the other midwife ended up becoming a friend for a long time. Uh, My friend Diane. So it was really blessed to be there with both of them. I didn't even know what I had access to And the woman was someone I kind of knew from some home birth meetups, but not super well. Um, And long story short, first baby, she had the baby at home in the birth pool. And I remember the birth pool getting really bloody. And I didn't know anything, but I knew there was something going on. And I really just remember feeling the dynamic between the two midwives. Um, One thought that this was a problem and the other thought it was not a problem, And that's kind of what I came away with, along with (laughs) the visceral memory of the herb bath brewing in the kitchen, which was the first time I had ever smelled that, you know, how it stays with you. Totally. Yes, the herb bath smell is definitely prominent for me as well, early on and uh, making scrambled eggs 
at the first birth that I went to with you. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember from like those first 10? Yeah. Scrambling the eggs. And it's just a really different, like when I think back on those births and I kind of pulled up my birth records the last week, as we've been talking more about apprenticeship stuff. And um, I like how you said, it's like observing the dynamics and it's in a really different way than like my memory of those births is really different. It's like from a different vantage point than the memory of births that I went to, you know, this last year. Like you don't get to do that once you're in the primary midwife role. You're not just kind of like watching the players and getting to have this kind of like removed experience. Like you're just so much more in it. And maybe it'd be cool to access that like beginner's mind more <laughs> in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's like a different person was watching those births than now. Like I would have had a totally different experience of those first 10. Um, if I were to go back with the experience and knowledge I have now, it would just be so different. I also remember like someone, uh, interestingly, who was kind of, I mean, who was bleeding too much. Um, and I <laughs> just remember thinking I was doing like a really good job, uh, as I like sat behind her and just like kind of stroked her hair and was like, uh, totally thinking like I'm Ina May Gaskin right now here I am <laughs> look at me it was like very romantic although like now if I was at that birth I'd be like oh my god like <laughs> we gotta figure out this bleeding <laughs> but yeah. I had the luxury of being like oh like this is psychedelic and like I'm rubbing her hair and like all is well um, so just a really different place. Like, uh, that's not good or bad. It's just different. It's like that card is so perfect. Like the page of swords, like you're at the beginning of this like maturation process. And so it's actually a really cool viewpoint and it makes me think, okay, I'm totally ram rambling here. I'll stop in a moment. But I was at a birth recently where a friend was there, um, a really good friend of this mom, best friend. And she'd only been to a handful of births. So she was kind of in that role, right? Like she was there as doula slash observer she took a video and it was really nice to have that like fresh energy there like fresh young birth eyes <laughs> so to speak yeah. um and so it's valuable um but it's not the end point yeah if you're looking for the midwife yeah so much so much there right something, it's hard to imagine going back in a way it is Something you said, though, that uh, maybe we don't need to talk about right this second, maybe another time, though, is that you were at, like, the first birth you were at, there was another midwife there. Um, and the first birth I was at with you, you had an assistant. Um, and so I think that that's really valuable, if at all possible, to kind of, like, not to be the only one there to support the midwife in those first births. Um, we only had the luxury of doing that a couple times early on with my current apprentice. And those births were really nice to feel like I had my assist and then she really could just be observing. Um, so if you have that luxury of being kind of the third person there, even better. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. And that means that there's almost like a pre-apprentice role in a sense. Like if, like you said, if you can be that third person, then really, you know, you've not really started an apprenticeship yet and enjoy that. And I think that's, that's been something we've been talking a lot about this whole week and probably will say more today and over the series, which is like, just enjoy where you're at because we've said, and I know I've said it a lot too lately, like 
I wouldn't wish being a midwife, whatever that means to you, even though most people think it's like this rock star glamorous thing, I wouldn't wish that on someone that wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So cry, cry in the corner, <laughs> cry openly, take some photos and make enjoy that. Yeah. And, and make some eggs and be Ina Mae Gaskin and <laughs> feel really just... cool. <laughs> stroke some stroke hair, stroke you know, hair. <laughs> I do remember it was probably like the fourth birth ever, or maybe the third with you, that you guys like left for lunch when she was like, so not close to having a baby. Like you and the assistant like went and got some food and you're like, you can just stay here with her. And like, it'll be fine. And I remember being so anxious. <laughs> so it's like a great example of like why you wouldn't just throw yourself in there as a midwife. Uh, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be left with a angry um, laboring woman who doesn't like the toast you made. And just really, you got to experience that before getting tossed in the deep end, you know? Yeah, like all of the emotions and being exhausted, even as like mm -hmm. a third pair of hands, like try staying up for a couple of days, uh, mm -hmm. you know, try not being home. Try out all these things before you, you know, only watch a couple of babies fall out and think, oh, this is easy. I can do this. Right. Yep. So what's the next? Huh? Yep. Yeah. So that's like the observing part. We need a better word for it. Maybe we'll invent one. I don't know if it's going to come to me right now, but the egg making phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The crying. Yeah. The egg phase. Yeah. I mean, it is the witnessing phase. I know we're all witnessing, but it's without... I mean, probably in most cases, I know it was for me, it was like without a lot of knowledge, it was without yeah. any ability to analyze or interpret, like it was purely enjoyable, really, like just watch the baby come out. Yeah, attunement comes to mind. It's like a, you know, it's like a, you're kind of getting used to like the energy and like the vibration of birth, you know, and if you haven't been, yeah, it's like, it takes a while for your, I think, even your nervous system to like figure out how to do that and like getting called in the middle of the night and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh. Phase. I like that. I like that so much. And, and if I could go back in time, I wish I had known that. Like, I wish I had taken advantage, not just of not having any responsibility whatsoever, but what you just said, which is like, how does this feel? And like, what am I noticing? And you know, it's certain parts of the process, like, what is my own body doing? And like, am I breathing? Because those are super valuable skills that I feel like I only learned later when things got more stressful. <laughs> I wish I had had them earlier. I feel like you did give me that talk early on because I don't think I made that up. I think that oh, you well. must have said something like that to me about like, just feel what it's like to be at a birth. And I think the other thing I say to people is it took me at least the first 10 to even like understand a baby was going to come out of the vagina. Like I'd have to actively remind myself as I'm watching, like, oh yeah, like that's about to happen. Whoa. Like for my brain to comprehend sort of the incomprehensible it took that long too. Whereas now it's like you show up and like, that's what's going to happen. But like, there was just something about it feeling like totally unreal. 
I still have those moments. Is that weird? No, (laughs) I still have moments where I'm like, that's going to happen. That's crazy. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I remember Gail Hart saying that a long time ago, too. So it's like, I don't think I'm too weird. It's like, sometimes it's just unbelievable that like, this is still the thing that happens. So I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's how I'm keeping my beginners mindset. But yeah, sorry. So what's next after that? What happens? So what's and not like, so? Not that it's no, cut and dry, either, right? Like the first birth you go to is not the same as like when you go to your eighth or tenth birth, or you know. So I, we're kind of talking about it in phases or stages, although it's more organic than that. But what's after kind of this initial part of an apprenticeship? So yeah, I feel like we inadvertently ended up talking about kind of this pre-apprenticeship phase. So that's fine. And then the apprenticeship phase, like you are the only other hands there, maybe. Um, I think this is not quite the assistant phase, which we'll talk about. So I don't know, how would you characterize this in like 50 words or less? What what do we want to call this? Or no, you don't have to do 50 words or less. But like, what's the simple (laughs) definition of a of a beginning apprentice. I'm trying know, to think too. I, I do think that like that first part is kind of, you know, an apprentice phase, but you're right. Like this is more like when you actually are getting into the, what is midwifery and like, how does that look for me to do it? Um, yeah. Right. I like mean, some people might sort of skip that first phase, but whatever. Right. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I feel like I might be getting ahead of myself. So I think you should describe this because I think you have something in mind that I don't know yet. Enlighten me. Hmm. I guess if I'm thinking about it, like really deliberately, it's that you're not just crying in the corner because now Mm -hmm. you're kind of over that. And Mm -hmm. you're feeling like you're anticipating maybe what's next or like when the baby might come out. Um, you can do basic things like have supplies ready on a birth tray or however that midwife operates, but you're not quite at a level of like being super helpful if something were to come up unexpectedly. So you're learning the routine of how Mm -hmm. to assist, but you're not yet assisting. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, like you're not doing a lot of the... I think when we were talking about this the other day or earlier, even maybe today, um, it's like when people start learning some of the skills, like to me, this is when someone like maybe starts taking blood pressures at meetings, right. um, you know, pulse blood pressure and that sort of thing. Um, but they're maybe not necessarily like knowing what that means or interpreting it yet. Like they're trying on the, the like they're testing kind of the, what am I trying to say? Like the moves, like the getting the motions down, but right. not necessarily knowing the whys or the, or the what ifs or the, the interpretive pieces or like all the things that are happening mentally. It's more like the physical, like, yes, I'm going to put this stuff there. And yeah, like you're sort of gaining the skill of like the rhythm of birth and like being able to anticipate what's happening. Yeah. And 
I feel like I've observed over time that that students in this stage, and I don't mean this to sound like obnoxious, but they might actually have no idea what's going on in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you said, yeah, like they're, they're helping if you ask or like they know to bring this thing, but there's not, yeah, there's not like a continuity of understanding. And um, I feel like, you know, students at the stage, a great example that I can think of is like, they sometimes think the baby is coming out and like, Mm-hmm. It's nowhere near that actually happening. And so it's like, oh, yeah, you, I mean, you just need more practice and being around it and, and getting used to how that even feels, because it's not just like, oh, she's sounding like she's pushing, I better get ready. Like, there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, that definitely brings me back. I'm glad you said it that way. Um, to those, you know, early kind of assisting births where I'd be like, the baby's coming out, right? Like, it's coming out, it's coming out. And, like, I'd be so anxiously awaiting, hopefully not anxiously, but, you know, awaiting. And you would be, like, cool as a cucumber because, yeah, you could tell it was not happening. Yeah. Right. Right. Should I bring all this stuff? Right. Yeah, totally. I've been there too. And you kind of follow around with the tray and it's like, I mean, you know, and sometimes no one knows, but I remember thinking that as a student when the baby would come out and I always in the beginning, like the first, whatever, 10, 15 births, um, felt really confused for some reason about how babies transitioned. Like I felt very, um, not sure about what was going on. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, is mm-hmm. that baby okay? I I really have no idea. I just didn't know. Right. Right. And that I think goes back to kind of the bigger point of all of this, which is like, yes, most babies are okay. And so I think it's hard when a certain type of person like goes to birth and sees that. And even though they didn't know, they're like, well, yeah, babies are fine. Like babies come out and they're fine. Um, it can be sort of like misleading. Um, sure. I don't know if I'm describing that well, but yeah, like there's this, I remember the same thing. And I remember being like, but how do you know? And you were like, well, you know, tone and color and are they breathing or are they crying? Like, what do they look like? And, and me just being like, yeah, but how like mystified how you could figure that out just by looking at the baby. Um, and I think it's something that just comes with practice. Like you can know those things intellectually but to apply them in the moment is different. And I might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit since I think that's kind of the next phase. Maybe, but what that brings to mind is something we've talked about a lot, which is the, you don't know what you don't know thing. And I think yeah. that crops up. Well, I mean, it crops up a lot in like student land um, because like you said, it's easy to feel overconfident when you don't really even understand the whole picture or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of bursts you've seen totally plays into it where you could feel like, Oh yeah. Um, Oh, side, side kind of story or analogy. I liked this and I like it now more, but when I was a student, one of the midwives I worked with, um, she said to me, I want you to go get a job waitressing. And I was like, what? (laughs) Uh, She's like, you know, to be a waitress at a busy restaurant, that's what you need. 
She's like, because there's a million things to think about and a million tables and like people bustling and you might fall down and like hot food. And, you know, she's like, you need to go do that because that's what birth kind of is. That's kind of what being a midwife is like. Um, I never did go to work at a restaurant, but uh, (laughs) I feel like I understand now. And it's almost like, yeah, like you don't even know all the ways things can go or look even in that restaurant, you know, like without, without doing it. So I don't know. Yeah. This is also a side story <clears throat> and maybe taste of, well, I'm going to say it anyways, but um, I recently got to be in um, a cesarean birth for the first time. And I asked the anesthesiologist uh, nurse, she's like the nurse for the anesthesiologist. I can't remember what I asked her, but I essentially was just like, you know, what does the process look like um, for this next part or whatever? And she was just like, yeah, it it doesn't look like I'm doing a lot. It was funny. She was like, I don't know if she was, I don't know why she felt like she needed to explain herself to me, but she's like, it looks like I'm not doing a lot, but like there's a thousand things I'm thinking about, you know, every second things I'm watching for and the vitals and the this, and like, there's a lot kind of going on, um, even though it looks like I'm kind of just standing here. And I was just like, oh yeah. I was like, I totally get it. Like as a midwife, like that, that feels very true. Like it often looks really simple, um, but there's a lot of thought and, and wondering about what might come next and what came before and what is this person's history and what is, you know, what's, you know, and probably this lady wasn't thinking about it, but like, what's this person's emotional state and what's her relationship with her partner like? And is that playing into this? And, um, and also just trying to be in the energy and be centered at the same time. Mm. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I love that. It makes me, huh? like a Jedi, a Jedi Mm -hmm. situation. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the births that we witness most often birth is simple, but I wouldn't say midwifery is simple. And I think students confuse those two things. That feels important. Like you should go on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really? Like, I think we're all supposed to pretend that it is sometimes, you know, like, Mm -hmm. It's all just intuition and like knitting in a corner, as I often say, but it's like, honestly, the art and science of midwifery is not simple. It's, it's extremely complex. You know, it's just a different kind of complex than, than obstetrics is, but it's not just like, oh, I'm, I watch babies fall out. Therefore, you know, this is not hard. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction. So people in this early part, you know, maybe you'd call it the early assisting part if we were thinking of it in terms of the pet process or just, you know, if we're using our terms, like when you're starting, I don't know, maybe we need to come up with a new word for this part too, but you've like attuned yourself to the process, like birth itself mm-hmm. early on. And now you're like kind of, I think, getting into the rhythm of midwifery. Like you're like trying to anticipate, yeah, like you said, the birth tray and like, when is the baby going to come out? Like some basics um, around all of that. Like, what do we do after the birth? You know, kind of what's the checklist? I feel like that's yeah. kind of what that phase was like for me was trying to create that mental checklist. Of like, what are we watching for? What needs to happen before we, you know, go? Um, what's on the list? You kind of cut out, but I think I got sort of what you said just about the list of afterbirth or tell me again. Sorry. 
yeah, mostly that was what I was meaning, but you know, also the before, like, do we listen to heart tones? Like, how does that work? And when, and yeah, the birth tray and when to set it up and when to think the baby might be coming. And yeah, the after part, um, and just trying to like get that muscle memory and that like brain, that brain exercise of like, what has to happen? What are the parts to this? Yeah. Yeah, the parts and also starting to get familiar with the timeline, even though, of course, it's different Mm -hmm. from person to person. But like, don't forget your watch. Like we've all been the apprentice that forgot their watch. Totally. Totally. So don't forget your watch and like, just start to pay attention. You know, like, I don't love people to chart necessarily for me at this point, because I feel like they don't know what I would want to write down. So I'm happy to do that. But, you know, pay attention, go read the chart. Uh, I was two hours ago that she ate or peed, you know, so just little like, oh, I'm gonna make it my job this time to like be really attentive to those things, for example. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that was one of my first tasks you gave me was like, pay attention to what time like the head is born, and the body is born, and the placenta is born, like just some basic record keeping, which in a boring normal birth, none of that matters. But, you know, when things are less boringly normal, like those things really matter, it can be so helpful and like orienting. So it's like, Mm. maybe this is the orienting phase. Right. Yeah. Another example that I like is, again, with that watch, um, just observe, like, how far apart are the contractions? How long do Mm -hmm. they seem to be lasting? Like, I think a lot of students and I mean, I probably did it too, like, just kind of space out for a while. It's just like, oh, this is happening again. Like, oh, we've been here a long (laughs) time. Um, But you know, which is easy to do too. But like, obviously, in in the role that we're filling, um, you know, we don't really get the luxury of doing that. So it's like, what is actually happening? And if you really, you know, if you were there alone, and you didn't know, and maybe, I don't know, you just thought, oh, this was so easy. It's like five hours can go by in a blink, and you could have no idea what has changed because you didn't, you didn't pay attention. Right. And you can't remember what five hours ago looked like. Because <laughs> you you're exhausted. Like what's happening. Yeah, totally. totally. Hmm. Um, what else is on that list? I can think of like afterbirth stuff, but what else were you thinking? Mm, I think I feel pretty like complete in describing that little part. Yeah. Yeah. So the list, um, I feel like afterbirth is sort of easier in a sense, assuming that all is normal and well, you know, it's just more relaxed time wise. And I know that, I felt like I had a lot of responsibilities, even as an early student, because that part is just not crucial. So I remember, you know, in my case, like, taking down the birth pool, or, you know, emptying it, taking down the birth pool, um, cleaning up, you know, getting the bath ready, making food. So I think somebody that's even at the beginning stages, yeah, has a lot. Yeah, that can be like often the first place where people I remember feeling like that was the first part of the birth process that I was like confident in and like got to do things and it felt fun. And that's so helpful too. like, you know, especially if the midwife is tired. That can be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So wonderful to have someone who does feel like excited about that part and 
is, yeah, not ready to just like go to bed. <laughs> totally. And I feel lucky with that, with the students I've had. And of course, that was you at one point. Like, I feel like there have been mostly people that really were wanting to help and were super helpful. And maybe I had a baby with me or was pregnant. And it was like a godsend to just, you know, have someone take care of all that and know what those things were over time. It's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then what? What happens next? Um, well, one thing I was going to add, and this might go towards oh, sure. this next stepping stone and the one we were just talking about kind of in between is starting to kind of like study up on emergencies and maybe even practicing with the midwife, which I always feel like I should be doing more of with students, you know, like even if they're beginning, because you never know who, who will be there. So just right. talking through like basic, like if there is a hemorrhage, like this would be your job, you know, or if a baby needs breaths, like just so that's there, because of course we never know like when that stuff's going to come up. Totally. I think that that was the point when we went through your birth bag and I was like, I think it'd be great if we had a box that all of the hemorrhage stuff went in. Remember this? Like put all your yes. stuff all over your dining table. Yes. And I was like, I will be more helpful to you <laughs> if I know exactly what to grab. And that was probably, yeah, right around that point. And that was amazing. So word to the wise, any apprentices listening, uh, if you have that skill and you're good at organizing and the midwife you work with maybe isn't, that's like so appreciated. So I remember Margo went through and like bought the bins and labeled them and had everything in there. And of course, my life has not been like that since, but it was so helpful. And, you know, it sounds like it was helpful to you, too, to just like be more yeah. clear on where to find things. So it's a win win. Yeah, totally. So mm. next, what's the next stepping stone? What do we call it? You have very good, like, descriptive mm. words today. It's not here on the tip of my tongue yet, but as we talk about it, maybe one will emerge. This is a real life conversation, people, as you're listening. <laughs> so this is more of the formal assistant stepping stone, right? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, I, I guess that's one way of putting it. And to me, tell me if this is what you're thinking, but this is where like, you know, sort of these jobs come in. It's like, the way I'm seeing it is sort of like the big rock, little rock thing. So like the big rocks when you're first going to birth are just like, yeah, like what's the vibration? What's the energy? All of that stuff, how to stay awake for days. And then the orienting part we just talked about, like you're starting to fill in those big rocks with some of these more like nuanced pieces, like the time and like, I won't rehash it all, but then then this part is where it's like, okay, we're like breaking it down into like even smaller chunks to like get more detailed about, so I remember you being like, you know, for the next bunch of births, like you kind of like take responsibility for like the placenta stuff if she needs help. Um, and like, not that you weren't also watching and doing that, but just knowing like I was really focused on that for those births. And that gave me a really great opportunity to learn all the things I had no idea about in real mm -hmm. time. <laughs> Yeah, so like more hands on experience mm -hmm. in a sense and like 
taking responsibility for maybe certain pieces or, um, yeah, it makes me think of, well, I remember being that student actually, and it's not about the placenta part, but it was a breech birth. Actually, it was the first time mom having a breech baby and my job became staying up with her all night and checking her tones while the midwives slept. Um, they were kind of operating under the, she has to reach full dilation before she can push her baby out. So that's kind of what they were waiting for. And I remember sharing it with another student, like just sleeping on the carpet and kind of taking turns waking up. And so, you know, we had to know what intervals to do that at and nobody was watching us. So we had to figure out what we were hearing to a certain extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. So more interpretation, right? Would you say like not just doing the thing, but like putting some thought into it, what might be going on? Yeah. And I mean, I would maybe even break it down into two parts then like there's the practice doing the thing like heart tones. And then there is, yeah, like the staying awake and being the person who's interpreting them yourself too. So I think that that, like those things seem to me to happen in stages. I can even think of like, um, you know, one of my students I've had being at a birth where she, and we're not to this part yet, but like, so maybe I won't, I won't spoil it, but essentially she did a vaginal exam because a client wanted it and she was not sure what she was feeling. So then I did one too. And it was really educational for her to have me be able to be like, this is what I felt. Here's how I would have described that. And you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, you're not to the primaries yet, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but yeah. So first getting the hands-on skill, like to actually practice a thing, but then yeah, slowly moving organically towards also interpreting it once you've got that other, once you've got the actual skill. Am I explaining that well? I'm yeah. Not sure. Yeah. No, you are. I was also trying to think of any more examples, but in a way it's hard. Not that there aren't examples, but it's also like, to me, it feels like a shift of energy too. like from, and I remember getting to this point with you too, where it was like, oh, I can really trust this person now. And, and right. there's more to me, a feeling of like working together in a sense, even yeah. though, you know, that person is obviously still learning. I mean, we're always still learning, but you know, just like, oh, if I'm gonna, if I need to like run home for something, um, I can trust this person to be here and like, give me a solid report about what's going on. Yeah, that's so valuable. And that's like real assisting. Yeah. Totally. Right. Right. And, you know, put kind of in another context, sort of, um, I've had other midwives assist, I know you have too. And like, that's a valuable role that you pay people to do. So it's not really even just for students or apprentices. It's like, that is something that um, kind of needs to be filled or is really nice to have filled. And, and yeah. Yeah, there's that shift in energy. So kind of like the trusted assistant stepping stone. I feel like we maybe skipped over some stuff, but I guess it's okay, especially if we're going to do a series. Because I feel like that's a big 
that's a big leap, you know? Well, let's talk more about that then, because it is a big leap. And, and again, I think we're trying to be simple, but also refine this because again, we, we know there are people out there that really didn't get that there was like an intricate detail to this pattern. They thought it was just like, Oh, that's not hard. So what, what is that leap? Like, let's talk more. Yeah, I guess it's that's I feel like this is the part that needs a lot of time and that people often maybe don't want to give a lot of time. And I'm going back to the heart tones for some reason, you know, the difference between, like you said, like staying up all night and being the person who's responsible for listening and interpreting versus like, you know, I've had my newish apprentice take heart tones, but I am watching, counting, you know, doing the readout with her and not expecting her to even know what to chart. You know what I mean? Like she's just practicing the skill of like finding them (laughs) and turning on the machine, you know, like, and getting them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I feel like that has to happen. I remember doing that. That's funny. I just totally had a flash of you being like, Hey, you can do heart tones. It was at a birth where like that lady had green meconium and there were a lot of cats. That's all I'll say about that. But um, I don't even know which one you're talking about. <laughs> and I just remember feeling like, oh, my God, I am going to do that. Like, holy crap, this is very exciting. And I would have had no idea what I was listening for. because I was so excited to just, like, be near a laboring woman with this, like, thing. <laughs> and not wanting to screw it up. And, like, oh, my God, what if I can't find them and I'm going to look like an idiot? Like, you have to do it enough times where like that's not the energy you're bringing so that you can actually say, I'm going to find them and now I'm going to actually practice interpreting them. You know what I mean? So I think that that's that's time. Right. Because gosh, if you think it's easy to plunk a Doppler on, you're half right, but you're also really wrong if it's pitch black or the woman's upside down or you're exhausted mm-hmm. or any number of silly things that can make She's it harder. A lot. Exactly. And like screams at you or whatever is going on. Um, so yeah, that's a really, really cool story. One side note, right? Like there are plenty of births where people just don't want to listen at all. So not trying to make it sound like it's the most important skill in the whole world, but it is one people should know. Uh, And sidebar. But um, yeah, so like that nervous, like I've never done a vaginal exam. It's like, you know, and I don't know that that's even something that really happens at this point in an apprenticeship. Honestly, I think that's more that comes later. Maybe that's not the best example, but, you know, taking a blood pressure on somebody who's, just had a baby if you're worried about it for some reason or doing a pulse even just like getting used to touching a person oh my gosh, especially, yes. especially if you're someone in our little corner of the birth world where like we don't want to be bothering people more than we absolutely need to like we do want to respect like the process um or you know like weighing a baby and like touching a baby after birth like I don't know like for me that's still some days I'm like oh god I have to touch this baby to like get them on the scale. Like I just feel, I remember feeling so much like just nervous excitement about all of those hands on things that I had to get over before I could even get to the part where I was integrating like, okay, I, I did this and this is what it means. Even postpartum visits, honestly, if we're not even talking about the birth, like I think you let me do a couple solo postpartum visits around this time. 
and being like, oh God, like, what if there is a breastfeeding problem? Like, of course I know the things, but like to be the one who this person is looking to for help um, felt like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you expanded past the birth because I wanted to talk a little bit about the entire universe that prenatal care is and how, I mean, we don't have, we don't have time for the entire universe, but like, I really just want to say again, that if you think being a midwife is just showing up at a birth to watch a baby fall out, you are sadly mistaken. Um, And the months of prenatal care and the way an apprentice plays into that, and we haven't really touched on it, I think is like maybe for another day. But I want to say that in this part of the journey that we're talking about starting to do skills, touching people, interpretation. Um, this is the point at which I think an apprentice is welcome, in my opinion, to start offering if she has something. Um, so we didn't really talk about that. But it's like before now, just keep your mouth shut at prenatals. Because you don't know enough about what you don't know to be offering things. And I know that might sound harsh. But it really isn't because, you know, you're there to observe and to learn. So this is the point at which it's like, oh, if you have, you know, something dietary, like maybe this is the time that you can experiment with that if invited. Um, So I don't know, that might sound obnoxious. I'm not trying to, but it's just coming out that way. No, I think it's helpful. And, you know, it's one of those things where I, when I was talking with someone about it earlier, um, it's like the difference between not knowing what you don't know like not knowing that you don't know a lot versus knowing that you don't know a lot. Like there's, does that make sense? So like, I think it's good to check in with yourself as an apprentice around like, yeah, just being humble because there's so many intricacies maybe is the word you use. Um, Even with like partner stuff, like I can feel when a woman doesn't want to talk about something in front of her partner, if he's along And I know like a mental note, like I'll check in with this later or I'll maybe frame the conversation differently. Like maybe even around lab work, you know, if someone's like acting like they're not sure what kind of lab work they want at a first visit, I, you know, a thing I'll do is I'll give them the lab order form because I can't order labs here. And I'll say, you mark which ones you want later and we can text if there's ones you're not sure you want. Like say they want STI testing, you know, and they maybe don't want to say that in front of their partner. Um, whereas a, as a new apprentice, you might not be privy to like all of the ways that these dynamics and decisions and things might mm. shake out. Mm. And you might just be like, well, do you want to get STI tested? <laughs> or not, right. maybe. Instead of like, oh, like I see that you're needing some time to think about this. So here's my cool, sly way of doing that. <laughs> right. No, that is such a great example. That is such a great example. And I think we're, we're hitting on what you don't know, you don't know intellectually, and also intuitively, and also just because you're not the primary players in the relationship, to be honest, like there's just going to be pieces you're missing. So as you get more into an assistant role, or maybe even kind of partnering with the midwife, I don't think it feels as much like that. I mean, there's times to catch up with like what's been going on. But I can think of those examples too with students where they kind of really stuck their foot in their mouth or said something that just (laughs) didn't belong or like was, 
Yeah. And it's like, this isn't about you showing what you know about whatever eating disorders when you're not even aware of the history this client has with things like that, you know, so it can be really like, Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I actually just today had my apprentice here and I catched her, I caught, catched, that's not the word I'm looking for, caught, there we go, caught her up on probably like the 20 text messages between, because I had a bunch of births last week, between me and these like newly postpartum mamas about like how breastfeeding is going, how their bleeding is going. And I said to her like, wow, like, you know, I think the next step might be as new people come in that I tell them at the interview even like, you know, we text a lot between visits typically or whatever. Um, so I'm going to loop my apprentice in and we'll do a group text so that she can be caught up. Um, so that was kind of a new idea that I was going to share with you too, Marin, because right, like up until that point, it doesn't really make sense to do that. But like at a certain point, it feels like, okay, now, right, like you're fully a part of this universe of of the care, which is so much more than just appointments too. Yeah, you're coming in and out, but I think I got the gist and I agree. And I had thought of that, or actually I think someone suggested that on one of our student calls, just to kind of group text. And I don't have a student right now, so I can't even really speak to that. But yeah, some way of including them when the time is right. Um, But yeah, something you said about postpartum visits just made me think of like, if someone isn't ready to do that, and I feel like I've seen that too, Uh, It's really Mm -hmm. interesting to even like get feedback. Like if you send someone out on a postpartum and they're not really ready, um, I think I've done that before. And, you know, sometimes not a big deal. It's not urgent. Everybody's doing fine. But the information they come back with is so, so nothing. It's so not helpful that you realize, oh, like they didn't even really know what questions to ask. It's not just sitting there drinking tea saying like, oh, your baby's so cute. Like there are things, right? But you don't know until you're in that seat that there are things because it feels like often when you're an apprentice that you're just in conversation, like the midwife is just in conversation and it feels really easy and fluid until you're the one that has to come up with the questions. So anyway, then you're like in this clunky robot situation, <laughs> like a deer in headlights, right? Like, oh, what am I much. supposed to ask again? Rather than it, ha- you know, having it be experiential, which of course is the path of, of apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes so natural at a certain point. And, and even like at a point, I find myself saying that now, like, Oh, I'll even say out loud, like, Hmm, what else was I wanting to ask? Or what else was I wanting to think about today with you? Or, but as a student, that would have been like mortifying, which it shouldn't be. So, you know, know that it's okay to wonder out loud and not know exactly what you're wanting to ask and in what order. And it's all okay, but it, it often is not as natural at first. Right. And that's just the way it goes. So yeah, at this point, people should be like, really, really competent, like you said, you know, earlier on, they're maybe practicing what they would do to assist you in an emergency. At this point, they should be like, really good at assisting you if an emergency pops up, like, anticipating what you might want, and maybe even asking you questions in the moment of like, what do you think about this? Or, you know, what if we try that? Like, they should be, I think, at the end of this part, as a trusted assistant, like, they should be a sounding board in addition to just 
being able to hand you things that you ask for. Like they should kind of know what you might want, maybe even offer it before you ask for it. Right. So to sort of back up for a second, like if you were going to put a timeline or numbers of births to like get to this point, what would you say? Because I think that's helpful to people too, to know that like that doesn't happen. You know, we already talked about the one to 10, but like, where are we at here? Yeah. Ooh, it's like a pop quiz. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of like the 30 total for this part, like including some of that observing a tuning time and then, you know, 20 ish of this, you know, practicing the skills and then the interpretation and actually being a trusted assistant. Um, I think that 20 is kind of a minimum in addition to that 10 where you're acquainting yourself with birth. So around 30 is where you might find yourself feeling solid as this trusted assistant role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. And then in that role, I think that's where there is a lot of variation. You know, you could be in an an assistant role literally Forever. forever. Yeah. Some people, that's their sweet spot. That's actually what they want to do. That's perfect for them. And so they don't ever leave. And then other people, what is it? You know, maybe another 10, 10 births, 15, 20, 10 to 20 births before just naturally, maybe women in their community start saying like, oh, you know, are you ready yet? Like, and then we talk about maybe moving into that primary under supervision role, which is such a like funny phrase. I wish we had some other way of saying it, honestly. A pus, a P P U S. <laughs> oh God, stop. That's terrible. <laughs> the pus roll. Yeah. Right. Like so a, it's, a... it's like putting on your midwife costume. You're just playing midwife a little bit. Um, how do we describe that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You get to practice. You get to practice being the midwife, but you're not entirely the midwife and you have like good support and backup not you know not like we do as midwives but like a mother midwife still there still helping you and so this i think transition it also gets taken for granted as being maybe easier than it is um because if you have been this trusted assistant maybe you're giving more advice and you know ideas at prenatals or at the birth or in the postpartum like it can start feeling like, oh, yeah, I've got this. Um, but it's a very different even, you know, just like the energetic shift, like from the person looking mostly at the midwife and occasionally at you to looking mostly at you and occasionally at the midwife. Like there is a shift in responsibility and dynamic that um, I remember just feeling like I used, like if I hadn't been in the primary role, I would have totally known what to say. But because I was, and there was that like additional pressure, I had to get used to that before I could like kind of find my feet again. Hmm. If that makes sense. Sure. I mean, it's exciting. And then I think a lot of people would say it's kind of awkward. I mean, you have experience in that role as the midwife with a student, and I don't really have that. I only have having been the student under supervision, you know, so I think you have mm-hmm. more experience with like, 
like you said, the clunkiness or like the awkwardness of, of how that transitions and, and responsibility and who's doing what and even money and who's getting paid. Like it, it takes on a Mm -hmm. bunch more things to talk about. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. We'll talk about. Uh, well, like I said, I kind of only have the one piece at the moment and I would offer that there's a couple different ways possibly, and maybe more of moving into that role. So on one hand, I kind of already spilled it. Like there might be women in your community that want you as their midwife and, and you say to them, great, uh, I'm not quite a midwife yet, but I can kind of be your midwife with another midwife helping me. Is, is that okay? And, and, you know, they'll be like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And then maybe that's how that looks. Um, in my case, the midwife was actually the one to get the clients because I was brand new. I had just moved to Arizona. I didn't know anyone. So she got the clients and she said to them, Hey, I have a student that's ready to kind of pretend midwife. Um, we'll offer you a discount and she'll take care of you and I'll be here if she needs anything. And that also seemed to work really well. So that's my experience. I'm sure there are other ways of putting it. Right. So what did that feel like as you shifted into that role as primary? Like what kind of things were different and maybe what was different that you didn't anticipate being different? We had it set up so that I did the initial visit with the midwife present. And honestly, that was really uncomfortable because she wanted me to do a complete physical exam on everybody. So I remember just being so nervous about that. So, you know, I had, I had been witness to like all of the midwife stuff, but that felt like an entirely new thing that I had to be able to do in front of her. And then she kind of left me alone. So I would meet with the women on my own. I would set the schedule. I would go to their house And essentially, and I'm so grateful for this, I developed a relationship with them. She'd pop back in at about 28 weeks just to say hello, check up on the chart, you know, whatever, and Mm -hmm. and then be at the birth. So I had a lot of freedom. And again, I was so grateful for that. She, She wasn't standing over me. And my most favorite part was that I got the chance to have those relationships. In fact, you know this, but I have a friend visiting right now who I was her, her midwife, I was the primary under supervision, you know, 14 years ago with her first daughter. Um, And obviously, we've remained really good friends this whole time. So I was so grateful to have these women become my clients in all of the ways. And that worked really well for the time that it did, um, I would say like a year or two. And then it just it became awkward and weird. And I transitioned out of that. So I don't know, it's kind of a messy path in a lot of cases. I don't know. Right. People have done it more seamlessly. Right. But I think that raises even like a sort of boring and logistical piece, which is like scheduling. Like, how do you want to schedule this out in your life? And how do you, you know, like you're, you have to start thinking about all of those parts for yourself in a very different way when you're the primary, if you're given that freedom, you know, if you're not just kind of like in an apprenticeship where you're just expected to do exactly what your mother midwife is doing. Um, And I think this is a point where a lot of people get really excited about like their birth bag and like getting their supplies together, of course, and um, you know, their contract and their paperwork. And I remember um, Alicia really getting 
organized and had like all these really great handouts and it was very inspiring. Like it was like a really cool, fresh, like excitement about like, oh my gosh, like here I am doing this, you know, sort of more for real now, even with the training wheels. Yeah. What do you think about, well, with the students you've had, like, so I did visits on my own and I'm trying to remember, was there a time when someone was always there, like listening to everything I said? Uh, like how important do you think that is? And is that how you've done it? Well, I don't know. It was, you know, for, for Alicia, which is, you know, the first experience I've had with a student, um, there was like a time where it was like kind of you described like someone hired me and I said, Hey, like she'll be your primary, like it was around the time I had arrow. Um, so like, she'll be your person. If something comes up at the birth, like I'll be there to help if she needs, but she's the primary. Um, but at visits, it was actually really funny. This is actually a really good example because even though I said that at the interview and when this lady hired me and us, um, the first couple of visits, like I still was just like defaulting to like my midwife mode. And then I'd leave and be like, shoot, sorry, Alicia. <laughs> like I meant to talk less and I meant to like do less at this one. Um, and so it was a process of like shifting that or like handing that over. Like it didn't happen overnight. Um, mm. It was like a gradual thing. And then um, like you said, it's not like super linear. It was a little bit messy. And then she had kind of her own people who found her, um, and I would come and just be like the fly on the wall as best I could. And that's something that I need to be better at. It's a skill that I need to work on. Um, is just to like not blab so much, <laughs> especially in that, in those moments of just like, I wanted her to feel, um, autonomous and able to do it her way, even if it wasn't exactly how I would do it. Right. Yeah, I bet that's tricky. And that sounds like that would be a good separate podcast at some time just exploring that from like the midwife side, even, you mm -hmm. know, how that looks and feels and how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So primary under supervision, we've kind of talked about, I guess, some of the prenatal stuff. Um, like, what can that look like at a birth? So this is like the pre midwife stage. This is the part that I think a lot of our students didn't know existed as a thing. So it's good we're talking I didn't about understand it. understand the importance of it, for sure. Like, you know, I think some people think, well, if you're there and you're able to do it with the training wheels, like, why not just do it without the training wheels? Then, like, what's the difference? But I think for us, something that we've kept saying lately is, like, for, long, for the longevity of somebody and for you know, just like the full maturation into midwifery, like this part is crucial. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's the simplest, I think, to describe like what is happening, like they are the midwife and they're just like trying to get their feet and like go through like an ugly duckling phase into like, like, okay, this is the kind of midwife I want to be. So it's a lot of like trial and error and getting the stuff that's in your head to actually like flow through <laughs> as you, as you talk with people and as you use your hands to, to assess and all of those things. So I think that it's the simplest one to describe, like you're just figuring it out, but it's also, I think like you were, you were saying like people either didn't know it existed or like it's 
didn't realize how important it is to have that time before you're fully out there, like on your own, on your own. Yeah. Yeah. It requires a good relationship between the student and the midwife, obviously requires trust. And I know for me, being the primary under supervision at births was really awkward. And until I got out on my own, which of course wasn't long after, um, I really didn't have the experience of like, I hate to say being in charge, but you know what I mean? Like being in charge because some of the primary under supervision births were complicated I can think of a shoulder dystocia. I can think of a hemorrhage and, you know, those things are timely. So I don't remember her, you know, like putting down the red carpet and saying like, you, you figure this out. She just moved into action. And so, you know, I'm not quite sure, like I haven't been in that role, like I said, as the midwife, I mean, and I totally get it now in hindsight, but it, it didn't allow me the opportunity to like step into that. Um, so I had, you know, I ended up doing that on my own. And the first bunch of births I attended on my own as a midwife were rough because I had never, it was like baptism by fire. You know, I had never, I hadn't eased into it. It was like all or nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't have a totally different experience. Like, yeah, a lot of my primary under supervisions, quote unquote, were like at a birth center and similar, you know, where like if something came up. And, and it makes sense. Like they didn't have that level of trust in me since we didn't have that relationship. You know, I was there such a short time. And so similarly, even though I got to see things and be like very much an assist, um, they mostly still got to, you know, in those timely things. And I think that would be a great topic for another, another podcast. Um, yeah. They jumped in as well. And I know that that's, true for a lot of midwives, especially midwives who've trained at a birth center, um, but probably just in general, a lot of midwives and um, maybe speaks to like this being the trickiest part of an apprenticeship in a lot of ways. And so where a lot of people quit, you know, I think I've seen a lot of people quit at this part because they can't find a not awkward way to do it. Um, But there is a way and, and part of it might be learning some of it. I mean, not learning it from scratch on your own, but like you said, knowing what to do and having seen it done, but maybe not being the person who gets to to handle it a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So if we kind of like end that there for today, I think it's a really cool place to end because it has to totally destroy this myth that there's, nothing complicated about this path and, you know, see 10 births and go out on your own. Um, I think it's really humbling for all of us in a way to think about this under this heading of training and like what that means and what it looks like and what it feels like. And then this end result, you know, if we're in serious mode, being serious, um, it can leave even an experienced person, someone that's been at birth for three years, four years, seen lots of births, I'm still kind of in a new position, you know, as that new midwife and all of the things that that entails and all of the feelings. So I don't know, feels like a good place to leave off, but it feels like a cliffhanger too. So next time. Oh, it does feel like a cliffhanger. I wish we had a funner name for this part. 
What's it called? Like when a butterfly is about to emerge from the cocoon. <laughs> Isn't you that know? like the chrysalis phase? That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But is chrysalis like the whole time or is it just right at the end? I'll have to do some research. I know. We need <laughs> to know more about caterpillars becoming butterflies. But yeah, I love that visual or, you know, using using our imaginations. And that feels that feels right. It takes time and you completely transform at some point along the way, even though it can be rocky and unsure. And, you know, I don't think we're going to talk today about all the other questions that come in at this point. But I think we definitely will, right? Like, well, how do I know when I'm ready? Like, I have done all of these things. And it's been five years, you know, so it's like, at what point are you really ready to move into that? It's a huge topic. I think we did a good job. Sweet. Well, covering it all. at an hour and 16, I think, uh, I think that's good for our when apprenticeship <laughs> episode. Number the one. Phases. Yeah. It's the stepping stones, the phases, whatever we want to call it. It'll make a pretty visual of them all. Yeah. You have cut out again, but maybe, maybe you'll be back for a goodbye, but uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I've got a kid screaming and the internet is not on our side anymore. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you for that. That was fun. Yeah. See you later. 